Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Believe Podcast Network and sponsored by betonline.ag, the best sports betting website around. BetOnline.ag, use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. They will match your initial deposit up to 50%. If you're betting on the Eagles, you're making money this year, just like we are on Eagles Unfiltered. Go on BetOnline.ag.com. Excuse me, BetOnline.ag. Use promo code BLEAV. And that will do it for us because it is Connor Miles and Ed Crash time. No more yeah. ads. 6-0 Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. What a, You know, I think we started, I think our predictions, if I went back and listened to them, had to see for the first six games, we had them going four and two. So okay. impressive that they're at six and oh, they even you know exceeded our expectations by far, clearly because of quarterback Joe and Hurts. I mean, it's so funny hearing all the Dallas talk, uh, after the game. Oh, you beat Cooper Rush, you know, you beat the pack up, all these, you know, the typical excuses that you typically hear. Yeah, now this is years ago, years ago, but I finally remember it. Because there was a there was a trip where the Eagles had to go into Dallas, just like the, the Cowboys had to go into Philadelphia, and they had to play their backup quarterback, Mark Sanchez, against Tony Romo and the fully healthy Dallas Cowboys. And the Eagles won that game handily with Mark Sanchez at quarterback. So you want to make the excuse? I think the Cowboys are a great are a great team, but I'm hearing a lot of excuses about all of a sudden Cooper Rush. When they didn't lose a game with them before, they beat the Rams, the Super Bowl champs. They beat the Super Bowl losers, the Bengals. They played really smart football under Cooper Rush. He wasn't turning the ball over. Yet he goes against the Philadelphia Eagles defense. He goes against the undefeated Eagles, and he looks like the backup quarterback that he is. They lose. They played very well. I'll give it to the Cowboys. I it is going to be a different game when Dak comes back on Christmas Eve, but. I think this is – I don't even think it's just going to end there, Ed. I think they're going to find each other in the playoffs. We could. I mean, look. Look around the league right now. I, I, the crazy stat, Ed, this is the worst fantasy football season in, in terms of scoring in 13 years. So that means that's in the worst offensive performances around the league that we've seen in 13 years. Now, I'll tell you what. The Rams are going to get healthy. I think they're going to turn it around. I do. I think the Rams are going to turn around. I don't think they're going to have a crazy record, but I think they're going to get healthy and be, get right right in time for the playoffs. I think that's going to be a serious team you have to take on. The Bucks, if they get Ryan Jensen back, that's one piece of the puzzle they're going to get all together. I don't think they're going to be a, a crazy team that they were before, but there's once they start getting healthy, I think they're going to pick up steam. And again, 
we're talking about football right now in October and how well the Eagles are doing in October. I care more about December and January, and that's when teams start where you see the real football teams. And a couple of things I saw in this Eagles games, and I'm thinking, man, when the Rams get right, when the Bucks get right, this is going to be tough for the Eagles. When the Cowboys get right, this is going to be tough for the Eagles. The second half stuff has to stop. It has to stop. I understand what's going around the league. I understand how offenses are just failing to put up points. I understand what the Eagles are doing in the second quarter is better than what offenses are doing all year. But yeah. it seems that the second half adjustments are just not being made. Let's keep doing what we're doing. It's working. But there's, there's coaches like Dan Quinn. There's coaches like Ed Dantel. There's coaches that they've – even Vance Joseph, for God's sakes, that will make the second half adjustments and come back and hurt you. Now, the Eagles have been the better team in each one of those times and has done what they to pull out the victory. But my point is when you get into January and the Rams are right and the Bucks are right, man, these second-half performances just can't – they can't fly anymore, Ed. I'm nitpicking. Yeah. I'm nitpicking here because, again, 6-0, and very impressive. And I think – other than the Bills are the best team in football. Clearly. I mean, hands down, most complete team in football. I'm not being biased at all. From what they're doing from a passing standpoint, a rushing standpoint, and a defensive standpoint, stopping the pass more importantly, they're most one of the most complete teams in football up there with the Bills. So, of course, I have faith in this team. But, again, I come away from that game thinking, yes, they won. They beat the Cowboys. I don't care. Make your excuses all you want. I just told you why that I think they're silly. But at the end of the day, when they do get that back and when the Bucks and Rams get healthy, I don't know if these second half uh, woes are going to, you know, last against those teams. Well, listen, they, I mean, they're outscoring teams in the second quarter by historical numbers 112 to 27. So would you rather they, get out to these dominant first halves and grab, you know, a 20 to three lead like they did against the Cowboys. And then, uh, you know, rather than, you know, being tied in the fourth quarter and have to play or, or being behind in the second half and having to play catch up. I mean, that was the big complaint we had about this team last year was their slow starts. And now they're starting fast. And now, you know, You're right. about That's the second point. half. So to me, I would rather them be ahead at halftime. And they've led at halftime every single game and make the other team play catch up. And Jonathan Gannon even alluded to it. You know, the second half, Sirianni tells them, listen, we don't want to, we're up 20 to three. We don't want to have this team have any big plays in a drive to come back and score touchdowns. Make them earn whatever it is they're going to score in the second half. So Gannon is perfectly fine playing you know, the shell over the top and giving up yards in the, in the run game, you know, take the set, the 13 play seven minute drive, all you want and score a touchdown. You're, you're chewing up the clock. All right. The Cowboys ate up the clock on their touchdown drives because the Eagles didn't want to get beat. You know, Gannon says, Hey, I've seen teams take big leads and they give up a touchdown in three minutes and 10 seconds. And all of a sudden it's a game He goes, we're okay with them using seven minutes a clock to go score a touchdown. So, you know, they played differently in the second half. Now, could you argue that, yeah, let's play better in the second half? Absolutely. But, you know, listen, if they score 20 points in every quarter like they do in the second quarter, they're going to put up 80 points in a game. That's just not going to happen. You're not going to score 20 points every single quarter. But I know for sure that Shane Steichen 
is beating himself up, and that's one of his projects during this bye week and during this self-scout, is to find a way to do better in the second half. He even said as much. We talked to Shane yesterday and on Tuesday, and he said, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is. He goes, but I have to figure it out why we can't score more often. He goes, you know, we like to defer. So we get the ball to start the second half. You know, we try to get scores at the end of the first half and the start of the second half. He goes, and, you know, we move the ball a little bit coming out against Dallas, and then we bog down. Uh, it, but he knows that he has to find a way to get this offense more in gear in the second half. Um, is it going to be 20 points in the fourth quarter or 20 in the third? Probably not. But if the Eagles keep scoring 20 points every second quarter, they're going to lead and then they're going to play a little bit differently and they're going to try to score a little bit differently. But I know Shane Steichen's beating himself up about this. I, I wouldn't expect this trend of, you know, not scoring in the second half to keep up over the next 11 games. I mean, I think they'll figure it out. I think it'll balance itself out. They may not score as often as in the second quarter. Um, you know, but I, I think they'll figure this out. And plenty of season left to do it. I wouldn't worry about the playoffs and what, what can happen at the end of the season if the Eagles aren't scoring points. I mean, I, I think it'll balance itself out. And, um, you know, the Bucs, I'm not sure the Bucs are going to figure it out, man. Tom Brady's having a real tough time in his personal life. Um, I'm not doubting him, though. Yeah, I know. I'm not doubting him. I can't do it. I know you doubt him at your own risk, but listen, Todd Bowles is the head coach. I was talking to somebody and they just don't believe in Todd Bowles. He's a great defensive coordinator, but as a head coach, he failed at the jets. He didn't do a good job in Philadelphia in the interim part. I mean, is he really a good head coach? Great defensive coordinator, but he's another guy that could be a liability. The Rams. I I still think that super bowl hangover thing is real. They're getting to get healthy though. They're getting their center back. They're getting Van Jefferson back soon. Uh, I, yeah, we'll we'll see how it all comes together for. Again, it's hard to win a Super Bowl, you know, back-to-back years. It, it rarely happens. The Patriots were good at it. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> to get back and do it again is awfully tough. And I think you're seeing that's part of it too is the Rams just don't have that same, you know, uh intensity week to week, that same desire, that hunger. I mean, that goes away after you put a ring on your finger. So, you know, I'm not concerned about the Rams or the Bucks. I, I think if you had to pick a team that's going to turn this thing around, if you look at these three and three teams, I think the 49ers yeah. are a team that are going to be reckoned with. They got a great defense. D'Amico Ryan's could possibly be a head coach or defensive coordinator. He just seems like he was playing for the Eagles in the middle of their defense not that long ago. But I think the 49ers are one of those three and three teams. If you're looking at teams <clears throat> that can turn this around uh, and and threaten the Eagles. Uh, certainly Dallas, um, they could be there. Look at the Giants. You know, everybody's like, well, I'm not sold on the Giants, but I think it's time to be sold on the Giants. We can see three teams from the NFC East in the playoffs, and the Eagles could see the Cowboys after two regular season games. They could see the Giants after two regular season games. You could see those teams in the playoffs, and then there's already the Minnesota Vikings. You know, they're five and one. You know, I said, and you said, we said on our pod before that when the Eagles and the Vikings played, this could be a preview of a playoff game sometime in January, this Vikings and uh, Eagles game, because these are two very good teams in the NFC, two probably top five, six teams. And I, I still stay stick to that. We could see a Vikings-Eagles matchup in the playoffs. And the Eagles have already beaten them. They dominated them. You know, they, the Vikings, because, you know, the Eagles got out to such a fast start, the Vikings couldn't come back and the Eagles intercepted Kirk Cousins three times. So, you know, you know, those are the teams to me that I would be worried about the 49ers, the two teams in the NFC East, the, uh, 
uh, you know, the Vikings. Um, but I don't know. The Packers, I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers is all world, but whatever receiving core is awfully young. And Yeah, they don't have the offenses. They either. don't have the offense. I'm not sure the Bucs are going to turn this thing around either. I know don't count out Brady, but until they show they can do it. I mean, they lost to the Steelers, for heaven's sakes. They were minus three of their four secondary guys. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of season left, but you look at these three and three teams, and okay, who concerns you? To me, it's the 49ers is my biggest concern as far as, uh, you know, who could threaten the Eagles' possible run to the playoffs. Oh, yeah, because that defense, you have to – it's the best defense in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, I, the, I, I, I fully agree with you. I think if I had to put a threat list together, I'd put 49ers at the top two. Yeah. And the Giants, you know, say what you will about the quarterback, but we're always going to play the Giants tough. It's just what's going to happen. I mean, regardless what the Giants' record is, whether they have three wins in the season or they're at five and one right now, they're going to play the Eagles tough regardless. So you have to acknowledge them as an opponent no matter what. Yeah, uh, I just think the Rams. I'm not counting out the Rams yet. That pe- that pedigree is just always going to be there with those and and the Bucks too. I mean, I agree with you, with Todd Bowles. I think that was a weird choice. I thought Byron Leftwich was definitely going to be the guy, but we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm not counting out Brady. I can't. I can't do it. But yeah. a lot I will of drama say one thing, around though. Tom Brady. A lot of drama around Tom. I don't know if he can overcome it. The wife, you know, he's not wearing his wedding ring now. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, poor I don't, Tom Brady. I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't really know if I buy into that stuff because I think I think Tom Brady puts football above everything. I mean, even his family. But I will say this. To clarify what I meant from earlier, I'm glad you expanded on this because it's really the offense I'm concerned about. I'll take that defense against any offense in the NFL in game in and game out. Easily. The corners are playing out of their world. The, you mm-hmm. can't pass on this defense. I don't care who you are. I really don't. I don't care. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not passing on that defense. That's, that's the one thing that I'm thinking about when they go into the playoffs. These yeah. major... Con- these major factor teams, if, they, if the Eagles take CeeDee Lamb out of it for Dak, I think he panics. And when Dak panics, he plays hero ball. It's bad for Dallas. Yeah. So it's not that I'm down on the Eagles. It's just, that, you know, there's these little things that I think come December and January are really going to matter in the when you get the Super Bowl because this, this is a Super Bowl or bust. When you have a quarterback or a rookie contract, the Eagles do, you want to maximize the most. You want to get to the Super Bowl like you did in 2017. That 2017 team, besides the game against the Seahawks, where I think that was like a, a character, you know, team divide. Like they were that they figured themselves out. They figured out how to play as a full team after that after that loss. It was a gut wrenching loss that really sucked it to them in Seattle. And after that, they put it all together and they went 13 and three. I think that's going to happen eventually down the road for the Eagles. I think they're eventually going to play this t- a team. I don't think it's going to be the Steelers. I'll tell you right now. I don't think it will be. No, I, 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 mean, I think yeah. it's going to be the Giants. I'm going to be honest with you. I think, yeah. it's when the, I think the Giants are going to, and as crazy as it sounds, I think it's going to be the first loss of the season when, when the Eagles play the Giants. They're going to get a, a punch in their stomach because they didn't take Daniel Jones that seriously or they didn't take, or they just knew they were better on paper and they went with it, and they get that punch in the stomach, and that really spurts the second-half offense. That's what really gets them to finally click it all together and think this is the really complete team that we wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I think that's when it really happens. Until then, I think they think they're way better than each team, and that they because they kind of seem like they play on cruise control. If, I'm glad he's brought up Saints Station because I thought to me watching these all 22s lately, what adjustments are really being made from the first half to the second half? And I understand where the thinking is, is we're up 20 to three, we're doing stuff that's really crushing them already. Keep it going, keep the foot on the pedal. But at the same time, you got Dan Quinn you're going up against, you got Vance Joseph you're going up against. You know, 
you got Wink Martindale you're about to go up against when the Giants come into town. These guys make these second-half adjustments look easy, yeah. especially against you. So, well, I'd like to see. I'm, I believe you. I think you're right. And I'm not panicking. Again, you, you, it's really hard to stop this Eagles team. You have to give them their credit. You yeah. do. And Jalen Hurts <laughs> is playing out of his world right now. And, you know, make a butcher will of five, 155 passing yards. I mean, thank God for the defense and all the turnovers. Giving them the short field to work with, but I, you know, all the credit for Jalen with the offensive lines getting for shut out Michael Parsons. Where's the credit for Jalen Hurts? I thought Jalen Hurts shut out Michael Parsons. He neutralized him. He completely neutralized every movement he was making. You know, he made him bait into thinking he was going to do this or that with RPOs. Yeah. So the quarterback and the way that he plays, neutralizing what I think is the best defensive player in the NFL right now. And Michael Parsons is only going to do that going further when he plays Aaron Donald. You know, he's going to do that when he goes up into a potential Super Bowl matchup against Von Miller. You know, this is where the Eagles have the edge. We're always talking about these premier edge rushers in this league, but these premier edge rushers in this league can't even stop him. So, I, yeah. I don't get me wrong. I really think that they have the edge when it comes up to these teams, but these little mistakes where you can't capitalize on these mere one opportunities, that can decide a game when it comes January. Yeah. Yeah, the Eagles did a very good job against Micah Parsons, just reading what he did. I mean, you know, those the first play to A.J. Brown, I think, was that 15-yard touchdown pass that Hurts found him on third and four, I think, at the 15. And then he looked like he was going to run there. He kind of, you know, well, he made him guessing. That's that was that was the scheme. That's that was Steichen's scheme. It was to kind of wait and see what Parsons was going to do. And even A.J. Brown said, um, his job was to just get past Micah Parsons. And if Parsons went after Hertz thinking Hertz was going to run, I mean, Parsons didn't, he just stood there. He just froze. He didn't really know what to do. Do I go after Hertz or do I go out and cover uh, AJ Brown? So he just stood there trying to decide and Hertz is like, all right, he's wide open. I'll just throw him the ball. They ran the exact same play again on that fourth down that they needed to keep that touchdown drive alive, fourth and three, exact same play. They ran Hurts out to the right. Parsons is standing there again, not knowing what I should do. Do I go after Hurts because he can run, or do I drop in coverage and try to cover Brown? And he just froze there, didn't do anything, and Hurts hit him with an easy throw. Um, they tried to do it again on the on – the, uh, the, the throw to Devontae Smith in the fourth quarter that sealed that drive. Again, Hertz rolls to his right. Uh, A.J. Brown is kind of floating out there to his right, but Devontae Smith standing there wide open because Parsons decides to go a little bit with Brown, and he ends up hitting Smith. So, I mean, that's what Hertz does. I mean, he you don't know whether he's going to run. It's almost like a, a run-pass-run option now. I mean, you you, you know, you're are you going to run? Are you going to pass? I'm going to roll out to the right, and if someone doesn't go with my receiver, I'm just going to run, and I'm going to take the five, ten yards, whatever I can get. Um, so, I mean, it, that's the quandary that defenses are facing with Jalen Hurts is you get him outside and you read the best DN, like a Von Miller, maybe, or, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau for the Giants, who's a rookie, you should be able to, you know, confuse him a little bit. Uh, are, are you going to be able to decide, Hey, do I go out and cover the guy or do I go after Hurts? Uh, because the Eagles are just going to run that play until somebody figures it out. And this Cowboys certainly didn't. Um, they thought they had to figure it out, but the Eagles used it three times in that game and it was successful all three times. So uh, it's just something that, that Steichen does. And, you know, I'll say this, you know, about this team is I, I think 
another big ingredient is the coaching staff. You know, we get a lot of these coaches off the record, you know, uh, the coordinators and Sirianni. And when you just spend time around these guys, these are good, you know, they're very good guys. I mean, you look back and say, Mike Rowe didn't like us. Doug Peterson liked us a little bit. Then he didn't like us. And then Chip Kelly hated us. And, um, you know, Jim Schwartz was, you know, he, he could have cared less. But Steichen and, and, and Gannon, I don't think they're going to be here next year. I think they legitimately could be head coaches somewhere. These are good guys, and they're smart football coaches. When you spend time around them and you listen to them talk X's and O's and how they put game plans together – it, it, you know, it's like next level stuff. And, you know, whether they're making in-game adjustments or not, they have good solid plans going into games. And that to me is a big part of this six and oh is, yeah, it's hurts. It's the defense. It's AJ Brown brings it all together, but you can't overlook this staff. It's the same staff that's been in place now for two straight years. So yeah, you have Jalen hurts on your rookie deal, but you also have the same coaching staff for, from top to bottom. Uh, is the same. And, and it's a darn good coaching staff. And, you know, everybody from Brian Johnson, Denard Wilson, got Jeff Stoutland, you know, how about Jordan Malata saying that he went to Jeff Stoutland university? I mean, when, when's that t-shirt? Yeah, I love that. I that love was that. tremendous, but you know, these coaches from top to bottom, the coordinators on down to the position coaches are just, you know, good guys, number one. And number two, there's very, very smart football guys. And you get that sense just by talking to them whenever it is you see them and you talk X's and O's. I mean, that to me is very impressive. And the Eagles have to take advantage of that because this staff is going to look different next year. Albert, uh, Albert Breer named Darren Wilson as a head coaching candidate already. Yeah. I Crazy. mean, we'll see. I mean, he's certainly a defensive coordinator candidate. If the Eagles lose Jonathan Gannon, I, I think he'd be promoted like that. And I think Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach, if they lose Shane Steichen, he would probably be in line to be promoted to offensive coordinator. So that's their philosophy. They, I mean, not even that dates back from even Andy Reid's era. I know yeah. everybody's going to be like, you're, you're basing off of Doug Peterson's, but no, that's been, that's been the Andy Reid thing where they promote from within, build within the staff. I mean, most staffs do that too as well. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be outside voices at all. I mean, a lot of, it's so funny, you know, when these openings happen, I remember, you know, a lot of the Eagle staff, they're always picking outside sources. And I'm like, why are you guys doing that? You're wasting your time. They're just kind of up, you know, uh, promote from within. Cause I don't even think, you know, I know Vic Vanjo is on the staff as a consultant, but I don't, I don't think he's in line to take over for John the And I think it's, I think you're right. If Denard Wilson doesn't get serious consideration for head coaching guy, uh, gigs like Albert Breer suggesting, I think it's going to be Denard Wilson for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't, sure. I don't know how you would jump Denard Wilson ahead of Jonathan Gannon. I mean, Gannon, you know, like, are you, are you going to lose two defensive guys to head coaching jobs? I think Gannon would get hired first as a head coach before Denard Wilson, just based on Gannon's resume. I don't know what Albert Breer's thinking was on, on that or his, his rationale, but listen, I mean, if you're going to hire somebody from the Eagles staff on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of teams don't like to hire defensive coaches. You know, why are you going to hire a DB coach to be your head coach over a defensive coordinator uh, who whose defense is ranked in the top 10 in so many categories? They've only given up the Eagles defense since that opener against the Lions. They're only giving up an average of 11.6 points per game over the next five games. I mean, that that's tremendous. And yeah, Denar Wilson gets credit as does, you know, Tracy Rocker and Mike Rollis uh, on the, at the linebackers position. Um, but Gannon is the orchestrator of it all. And to me, he would get the shot to be a head coach over Denard Wilson. Now, if they want to hire some team, two teams want to hire each of them, go right ahead. Um, that would be amazing. But I don't know if that'll happen. I would put Gannon ahead of Denard Wilson at this point to be a coaching candidate. Your thoughts on Fletcher Cox? You know, the last couple of games could be better, honestly. 
Yeah. Start off the season, first three games, incredibly hot. Last couple of games, forgettable. But a lot of people talk about like benching him or, or you know, not or replacing him and not, you know, playing with Jordan Davis, you know, 50 50 with him or Milton Williams 50 50. I'm like, I don't understand where that's coming from. I think, you know, again, somewhat of a liability against the run, truthfully. That's, I mean, that's what you got Milton Williams there for and Jordan Davis there for, in my opinion. But he's, He's doing fairly well against the pass this year. I mean, I know the PFF grade is 67. A lot of people are harping on the grade, but four sacks on pace to have between eight and nine, you know, on pace to have 50 total pressures. That's that's a prototypical Fletcher Cox Pro Bowl year. Uh, you need that. What are your thoughts on Cox? I, well, I think they like to play him fewer snaps than what they've been doing, but I don't he think has been getting, he's actually down 6%. Yeah, I think he played a lot on Sunday, a lot more snaps than Gannon would have liked to played him. I don't know what they were, but whatever it was, it was it was too many. Well, just just theoretically speaking, just so you know, for the record, he's played sixty one percent of the Eagles' snaps this year so far, and last year was sixty six. So that's five percent. Sorry, math was off. Yeah. So I mean, there is just there's merit to what you're saying. There is the fact that they are wanting to play him less, and he's on board with it, obviously. He wants to get his snaps. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of snaps in that first half to go around. You know, the Cowboys didn't have the ball very much. And uh, so, you know, I'm sure Gannon would have liked to have taken him off and played some of his other guys. But Cox is like, no, I, I need to stay warm. You know, I need to go back out there. And, you know, he's the veteran on the team. And Gannon will say, OK, go ahead out and, and get your snaps. But here's the problem is I don't think Milton Williams and Marlon Tuapulato are playing all that well um, in the run game. And I think the Eagles defense is becoming a little too predictable when they're in that five man front with Davis uh, teams, the Eagles put that in there to stop the run, but now teams are going to start to pass off of that, I would think. And they're going to try to throw it. And then when they're in their four man fronts, that's kind of the pass rush front. They're going to run the ball. I think the Eagles have to adjust to that because offenses are going to start to recognize what they're trying to do with their different fronts. And I think they will. I think that's an, another self-scout thing that's going to occur. That's a bi week adjustment you can you can. Yeah, do. yeah, right. And I think another adjustment you're going to see is, you know, because Tua Pilato and, and Williams are struggling a bit in the run game, right now we're just seeing when Cox and Hargrave are out there together, they're out there together. When they come off, Marlon T and Williams going together. You're not seeing Marlon T lining up next to Cox or Hargrave lining up next to Williams or whatever combination you're going to have there. But I think, you know, that right now is a comfort level with those D tackles. They're comfortable playing next to each other as it's constituted. But I think you're going to see more, you know, one tackle coming in, say, for Hargrave to play next to Cox. You're going to see more mixing and matching rather than subbing in two tackles for two tackles, it's going to be more of a one for one. And I think they're going to try to alternate. Uh, you know, I think they're going to play Davis in some four, more four man fronts rather than that five man over the middle. And again, that's just in talking to, you know, Gannon, that's more just comfort comfortability for Davis. I mean, he hasn't really lined up in a different technique that often. He's usually over the nose. That's where he was in college. So, you know, I think once he gets more com comfortable over these next few games, as they come out of the bye, I think you're going to see Davis more in a four-man front. You'll see Hargrave lined up next to Milton Williams or Marlon T. You'll see Cox lined up with Williams or Mar I think you're going to see more mixing and matching once, you know, a few more games go by and the comfortability with those different combinations increases. So that's something to, you know, look out for here in the, in the next part of the season after the bye. 
So what trade targets? Because now we're getting to the buy. We're getting close to the Eagles need to be active with the trade down on this year. They have pieces to work with. They have a roster that's, you know, on the verge of making a Super Bowl run, just like they were in 2017 when they brought in JJ. Um, I I know you might say I don't think they need to bring a running back. I don't I think they're fine there. Miles Sanders playing out of the world. I, I love you got that question in. You got to ask. You know, we have to figure out what Sirianni thought about Miles Sanders finally. And I, yeah, I agree. You just wrote an actual phenomenal piece about it for SI.com slash NFL slash Eagles. Miles Sanders running with a purpose. I mean, I couldn't agree more. We said the last episode. Yeah, well, that was something you pointed out. And I thought, you know, that's a good question to ask, not just Jamal Singleton or Nick Sirianni or, you know, Shane Sagan. Ask Miles Sanders. And I did. And, you know, he's like, yeah, of course. Now, I, I wish I could have listened. Things were breaking up. It's 1230 in the morning. He wants to go home. Every, nobody's around. him. I should have followed up with like, well, uh, would you take a discount to stay here? Um, you know, because he was really happy. He was in a good mood. And and I, I think he probably would. You the think? way he answered the purpose, you know, he's talking about I love the city. I love the passion of this fan base. And how can you not love this offensive line running behind this offensive line? You know, you, you want to go sign with, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals or whoever, or the San, the Los Angeles Chargers, these, these teams with crappy lines and try to pick up yards for them. I mean, you know, good luck. I mean, you know, why wouldn't you want to keep in t- keep with the Eagles and run behind this line and stay in a city that you're very passionate about because you're, you love the passion of the fan base. So uh, yeah, I, I think Sanders is uh he has a love hate passion with the fan base though, because yeah. they, which I understand. I yeah. think way he, I, I honestly think everybody's way too critical on him for sure. Yeah, like, no doubt in my mind. Especially, I mean, you still hear criticism about how he's playing. I'm like, he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. We haven't had that running back play like this since Shady. Like, what is there to nitpick about? Yeah. Nothing. You know, I do. Every player leaves opportunities on the table in an NFL game. It happens every single NFL game. Every single one. Yeah. Miles Sanders is no different. But is he making it work with majority of his opportunities? I would argue he's doing it more than that. So that's funny you say that, though, because I don't think so. I think if the Ravens or the Dolphins come calling with that money this offseason, he, he'd jump. Because I don't know if the Eagles will do it, man. I I, I don't know. Uh, I know. What do you, I mean, what would the Eagles do? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I I mean, you're going to lose Scott. You're not going to re-sign Scott. So what do you got? You have Kennedy Brooks sitting on the practice squad. I mean, who's he? I mean, you have Trey Sermon, two carries, 19 yards. He had his opportunity. You got to draft one. And do you want to go in? Do you want to go into the draft saying we need to pick a running back? I mean, the Eagles like to cover all their bases at every position going into the Mm -hmm. draft. They don't like to have to say, oh, man, we have a big hole here. We need to fill it in the draft. They like to keep their options open. So, you know, I think they'll offer him something. I think he'll be back, though. Just to, okay. I, I do think he'll be back. I don't, I think it's actually going to be against his terms because I don't know if you've actually been privy to it. The free agent running back class is stacked. Oh, he's, is probably, he's probably the sixth, but he's probably the sixth best running back available. Like, uh, no Barkley's available, Josh Jacobs is available, and Josh Jacobs is running like over the purpose this year. Yep. Um, it, yep. there's too many guys available, and then the draft. The draft has some great guys in it. They actually have arguably two first round uh, running backs in it this year. So huh. I don't think the market for him this year is actually the worst year for him to be a free agent. He's probably going to be back on a one-year deal or a two-year deal, something like nice. that, in the, in the Eagles' I like favor. That. I do believe it. 
But good thought, good thought. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, boy, New York would be crazy to get, let's say, Quan Barkley leave, wouldn't they? I mean, he's. I don't think big... that will happen either. But I'm just yeah, saying the, mar- the market's yeah. packed with running back talent this year. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah. gonna, it's gonna when when the art when the market is oversaturated, the guy, the lesser guys always gotta you know have to take less. They have to. It's just an unfortunate part of it. And look, look, I, look, yeah, look what happened with Derek Barnett. You know, we, they had this great draft class with pass rushers coming in. So teams weren't as willing to give up money for, uh, you know, a pass rusher who they already kind of know what his ceiling is. So he came back on a one-year deal and now he tours ACL and who knows what's going to happen to him. But uh, you're right. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, Sanders could come back on a one-year deal because of the saturated running back market. And plus, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not buying off this one year. He's got to be more consistent with this before I give him a long-term deal anyways. I, you know, I think everything's going into his favor this year. And I, I do, I honestly truly believe he's playing like he wants a new contract. You know, that definitely is a motivating factor into it. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a good player to me. Very good player. He deserves yeah. to be able to start running back for years. Let's go on to trade deadline targets. Yes. Because you and I have talked about edge rushers. I brought up Robert Quinn in the pod. We discussed Brian Burns. Forget that. You know, we can have a conversation to what blew in the face with that. We'll get more into it with edge rushers because it's not just going to be those two guys available. There's going to be some more. What's about safety? Because the Eagles are cemented at with Marcus Epps and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They don't need a starting caliber safety. They need a guy that's going to be coming and be a rental like a Corey Graham, like a Marcus Epps in uh, last year, for example. Uh, Corey Graham was a great third safety for the Eagles during the Super Bowl run. Don't let, you know, when he actually had to be thrown to starting experience cloud your judgment he was great for them as a third safety absolutely right they need that now they don't have that they absolutely do not have it when Kayvon Wallace was inserted to the game for to replace an injured Chauncey Gardner-Johnson look completely lost Kayvon Wallace is a special teams player I accepted it now it's over with Reem Blankenship I'm not asking him to come in to a Super Bowl contending team looking to make a Super Bowl run in emergency for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Marcus Epps. And a matter of fact, he keeps getting inactive. So, Andre Shashere, that's probably the only guy I'd pick out of all the depth that they have right now, and that's not an ideal spot. He, he's interesting, too, because he's out of practice squad elevations. He got elevated for the third time, and you can only bring a guy up from the practice squad three times before you have to add him to your 53-man roster. So, right now, he's kind of in limbo uh, unless the Eagles decide they need a, another safety and put him on the 53-man roster. Um, but you're right. Safety is probably an underrated need. Kayvon Wallace doesn't look to be the answer. And, and then who do you have? I mean, Josiah Scott, they tried to cross train back there. Maybe you bring him back there. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. They might even just wave Kayvon Wallace and give on share the elevation. Cause I mean, he played that bad. It's it's I watched all 22, man. He, I can yeah. tell. All right. I understand you get thrust. When you put a player in and he's thrusted into the situation for a major player, there's going to be some kind of adjustments. That guy looked like he hasn't seen a football field in years when he was out there. I'm not kidding. Yeah. The angles I, he took I, on. I know. I know. I saw and Zeke, it. Man. And Zeke is slow. This is not yeah. talking about, we're not talking about Shady and Coy. We're not talking about Dane Tomlinson. We're talking about Zeke in, yeah. in year seven. And, and Kayvon took the worst angle against him I've ever seen. Like, honestly, it's not rosterable at this point. It's not. Well, Sorry, it, man. I loved him. I thought he was going to be great coming out. Great Clemson pedigree, but it's just not working here. He needs to go to a different team. It's not fitting anymore. They need, like, you're talking about Josiah Scott. They clearly, Jonathan Gannon likes hybrid safeties. He likes safeties that can move around, be chess pieces. He doesn't want a box guy. He doesn't want a guy that, 
uh, he can't play in coverage. He doesn't want a guy he can't play deep. So Mark, get that out of your head now if you're thinking about any of those safeties that are available. I'm looking at Jabril Preppers, you know, from New England. He's not playing that much. You know, he can play deep safety. He could punt return. He's only on a million dollars. You know, mm-hmm. and again, I've, I've been referencing by a couple of friends throughout this week uh, for pointing him out to me because that's true. It's a great candidate to pick up as Jabril Preppers right there, I think. And yeah. I don't think the Patriots would hesitate dealing on him either. They always like making those little deals that aren't going to, you know, majorly impact their roster at all. And I think that's one tweet they can make. And I think that'd be a good deal for the Eagles because, again, they don't have their Corey Graham. They don't have their 2021 Marcus Epps. And they need it desperately because it's showing they don't have that. Yeah, and, and it's a liability. I mean, I like that Jabril Pepper's name because of the flexibility to return punts. And, um, you know, here, here's another possibility. And I don't think they would do this. But what about Anthony Harris sitting on the practice squad out in Denver? I mean, could, could you bring him in if you want to cut Kayvon Wallace or, or whoever um, to bring him in to be your third safety, a veteran guy? That situation be- with Anthony Harris, though. Because- it, it was. It was. I mean, he's a leader for sure. He's a he good has guy to be in the locker room. He has to release out the practice squad because he didn't like the opportunity, and then he signs with a practice squad I, for a team I, that has really good starting safeties. Yes. Um, but, you know, maybe that's a possibility. If they think that that's a big liability and they can't get something done in the trade, maybe they sign Harris and bring him back as a third guy, you know, a good locker room guy. Like you mentioned, Corey Graham was a veteran safety as a third safety on this team, and it worked. They won a Super Bowl with him. So, yeah, maybe Harris. I don't know. I, I, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know. I have any inside info on that, but he's still there. He's still on a practice squad. Uh, I don't have inside. I don't have inside info on it either, but I think that I'm, I'm confident there's going to be a move at safety done. I'm confident okay. because if you watch the all 22, there's no way, there's no way that they, they probably feel way worse about Kayvon Wallace than they ever did after that game against Dallas. Cause they you have to be in a situation where you play a third safety. And I know that Jonathan Gannon is telling this to Howie. I know it. Because they haven't been playing one, uh, you know. Shashere's been in there a couple of times, but I mean that's that's it, and and that's that's a practice squad of a uh, uh, call up that you're that you're putting in there. Yeah, like, you need to have an actual guy in there that you can rely on that's going to be on the roster, and I, I would have to think that's going to be something they tinker with. Whether it be more likely waivers, like you're saying, I I think Anthony Harris is a liable pick right there, but um, I think they're going to survey the whole entire practice squad across the league. To find that next guy because I don't think I think they've really got the answer on Kayvon. No, listen, Kayvon's good on special teams, so that could that could you know hinder the process and make them want to keep him because the special teams a performance. But after that game versus Dallas, you got to cut him. I'm serious. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a very interesting point. You know, everybody thinks edge rusher and you know bringing in I'm like still on edge rusher though because you win a Super Bowl with, edge, with pass rush. You haven't replaced yeah. Derek Burnett's uh, snaps, and regardless of what we think about Burnett. He was still he contributes in some sort of fashion when he's on the field. Yeah. No matter what, he did. It might not show up with a box score, but he did bring positives to the football field. And that's why the Eagles brought him back. And that's why he played snaps for this team. They haven't replaced that yet. Even when they did have in 2017, Chris Long, Vinnie Curry, Derek Barnett, Brandon Grant. Those are four guys. They don't have four guys right now. I know. Well, they, yeah, they, I mean, they they count Reddick and Patrick Johnson and I, you know, as as your edge guys, but I understand they they could use. You're not playing them in 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 natural edge rushing roles. You need another edge rusher, and Robert Quinn would be. Pre- I mean, that contract you're obviously going to tell the Bears, hey, you're going to have to eat this. You know, you yeah. want this guy gone so bad. You guys need to rebuild. You're going to have to eat some of this because we're not going to be able to acquire this contract. But I think Robert Quinn would be perfect because you just bring him in for that Chris Long role. Hey yeah. man, I, you're at this point in your career. 
the Bears are asking you to be a starter on that defense that's very weak. There, you're getting double teamed each week. Come on, the Eagles play this Swiss Army knife role where you just pass rush where Reddit gets the attention, Josh White, because you can't undermine what Josh White's doing this year or last year. They get all the attention. You just come in on a pass rush roll, take one-on-ones, and go get your sacks. You know, get your incentives for getting the sacks. And, you know, if you want to play next year, you hit free agency with a, with a lot of sacks on a really Super Bowl-winning defense, potentially. So, why not? Yeah. I think someone else brought up another name to me today. Jerry Hughes down in the in Yeah, Houston. in Houston. I, I, that's a great name because he's, he's balling this year for Houston. You know, yeah. Buffalo let him go because they got Von Miller, and understandably so, but – you know, Buffalo let him go because they thought they needed an upgrade, and he kind of had a career rejuvenation in Houston. That'd be a great move, and he's only on a one-year deal. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, I would – listen, maybe you give up Andre Dillard. You know, I know that would dent your left tackle depth, but maybe Brett no. Tuck is ready to return. Um, you're yeah, going to no. lose Dillard anyway at the end of the year. I know. I hear you, but no. You keep like, Dillard. It's like, it's like how you lost Big V. And, again, I know I complained about this last time on the pod, and I'm still complaining about it to this day because every time you see – you need to see – uh, you need Andre Dillard. He's nowhere to be found. But Tormer a lot of injury scares me. It does oh, scare yeah. me. And and Jack Driscoll playing left tackle for a long period of time terrifies me. Yeah. So as much as I hate it, as much as he's not there, as much as I'm losing him for nothing, I'm keeping Andre Dillard because I lost Big B for nothing, and I still would do it again if I had the chance to do so because of what he did when he stepped up and played. So I know I know when Andre Dillard's out there, I'll be fine. It might not be Jordan Mulata fine, but I'll be fine. Yeah. When He's I know Jack Driscoll's out there at left tackle, yeah, no, because no. defenses are picking on that. No, yeah, you don't want that. And he even came in the right tackle when Lane Johnson and went out with a concussion concerning um, his third and, one in five and years. And Dan Quinn picked on that. Oh, yeah, as he should. I mean, Driscoll looked lost. You know, he didn't play well. But the defensive front for Dallas is so good um that that's kind of understandable but now he can focus and jason kell said this that he can now focus all his energies now on being a right tackle because dillard's back um so yeah you're probably not trading him i don't know what you'd have to give up in terms of a draft pick for hughes or quinn you know but i, I like the idea both of a veteran teams. rental type player both those teams will take a three day three pick it's kind of i mean i I don't know. Yeah, I would imagine so actually i think houston's gonna have a market for jerry hughes i don't know if robert quinn's gonna have a huge market if Depending on the contract situation, again, okay. most trades, especially Ty Roseman, you're asking the team to do something with it to facilitate it, and I believe the Eagles will too. But uh, Jerry Hughes is gonna have a market for sure. That would be a great move. That's our yeah. fact. That's something that actually people should start keeping their eyes on. That was a great call out by one of your uh, your Twitter or your followers because that's a, that's a that's a very possibility there. It's good. Yeah. Move. Well, I'll shout it out, uh, J- Jody McDonald. You know, the long time. <laughs> Radio host here in Philadelphia. He's the one that told me that Jerry Hughes. He's the one that gave me that name. So that's a good one. That is a good one. It's a big possibility there too. I don't think they're going anywhere but safety and edge. Anyways, yeah. I mean, what would you do on offense? I mean, what do you what do you really think you need? Maybe doing running back because if I pick up a running back, I think they're happy with what they have. They're not making. They love Boston Scott. So get out of your heads now. They love Boston Scott. They're not going to make him inactive, and they're not making four backs inactive. So what are they going to do? As much as everybody's, you know, not liking Kenny, I don't understand the Kenny game well. He, I don't. He, he runs hard. You know, he's he he runs well. Guys, he's 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 shown me something this year. It's I not mean, even that he. It, it's he interesting gets, they're not throwing him the ball a whole lot. Um, I would like to see improvement on that. 
And yeah. obviously, he's not the best pass blocker. Let's just get that out of the way now. Because I right. think that's what a lot of people are struggling with is obviously he's not the best pass blocker. And that I'll hear. But I don't know if you notice this, but every time I watch the film and he gets the ball and he gets past the offensive line, defenses don't know where he is. Like, they're looking for him. Like, yeah. I see each guy looking around for him after he gets on the, underneath the offensive line. And I know that happened with Sproles, but once they're looking for him, he's already halfway down to the first yard, first yard down mark. And I'm, right. that's great. Hey. Six, That's great to me. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So why would I want to replace that? And right. Robert, I won't limit that. That's a guy in his second year who's still trying to get his footing for football. And he's looking like that. I don't understand the, the negative comments I see about Kenny Gainwell each week because I'm not replacing any of these backs. And if anything, I would want, if I have, if one of those guys gets down, it's Trey Sermon. Give him opportunities. Yes. You have those backs. I you have them. You don't need sermon. anything else. Give me more Sermon, baby. I want to see that guy run. Not gonna have you're right because it's not gonna happen unless Scott gets hurt, right? But yep. that's why you don't bring another back in there. That'd, that'd be just you know just a waste of resources, right? Yes. This isn't this isn't 2017. You're not you don't need eight backs. You're right. All right, but I don't think you do anything on offense. I'm with you on that one. If anything, yeah. punt returner, which you can get that with peppers, potentially safety. Yep, some little preppers. Or and we'll we'll look at more targets. We'll get into it next week for more deadline talk. But that's gonna do it for us this week, guys. Again, Eagles are on a bye this week. Six and zero. Enjoy it. We love it. Six and zero. You can't beat it. Six and zero. And I had him at four and two. So six and zero. That's what do we know? Impressive. What do we know, Connor? Really? Uh, what does Vegas know? Because they had him at three and three. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's funny they're getting the. 1972 Miami Dolphins attention. I wrote about that. You know, they talked on a Zoom call because, uh, you know, the four uh, of the Hall of Fame members from that team were still alive. There were seven, three have passed, Jim Langer, Nick Bonacani, and Don Shula. But there's still four left, and they're going to be honored at halftime of the Steelers-Dolphins game. But they've got the – they're paying attention now to the Eagles at 6-0. and I know it's a little early for that. Um, still a long way to go. But the Dolphins are like, yeah, we're, we're watching. We're checking it out. We're, we're keeping an eye on them. So, uh, you know, that was kind of – kind of a cool uh cool call to be a part of i'm gonna be honest now the eagles dropped three games max this year though in the regular season there's no way 12 and five i think didn't we both go 12 yeah but now i think there's no way the because our losses already didn't happen so i I just know i i really do think there's no way they lose more than three games no way no way and if they don't lose more than three games guess what they're the first seed and they have home field advantage And this is going to be a fun rest of the year to podcast. We'll see you guys soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.